You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started Hello everyone, welcome to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast How are you, Dee Dee? I am really good, how are you? I'm good, uh, excited to chat again And yes. um, I know you've been crazy busy, I've been crazy busy But uh, yeah. um, I think what we're going to talk about today is going to be a, a good conversation piece. Um, yeah. Possibly, I don't know, is, is he did the right word when it comes to discussing things like this? I just, I just know there's so many questions yeah, about what teachers should or should not be doing or about what is right or right. what is wrong. And I, I guess I'm on the mindset. I don't know if anything is, is wrong in the way you're about going and reviewing things with kids, but maybe there's a better way to be teaching. Yeah teaching things with kids. Does that make sense? And right. I say so that effect and like efficient, we efficiently, want efficiently and effectively there. Yes. We should like coin that efficient and effective instruction. That's um, good. So we're, we're talking today, uh, <laughs> kind of continuing discussions from, from past episodes. If you haven't listened to past episodes about our discussions on, on reading science of reading, um, yeah. word walls, sound walls, all that. Cause we, we have quite a few episodes on that kind of stuff over the course of our, our podcast, but um, this leads into a, another discussion and, and the discussion right. is, well, you go ahead. Cause you said you've gotten this question uh, right. before on, on your, your various platforms. Yeah. So I, you know, I've been traveling around as well and doing a lot of um, professional development around the science of reading. So I was in Florida. I just got back from Tennessee. I saw you were in Tennessee. You hung out with our good friend, Elizabeth. I know Elizabeth Hall, who we love kicking it in kindergarten. That's um, awesome. It looked like a fun I, visit. It was Oh my gosh. And you know how like, okay, so let's just, before we get into the topic, let's talk a little bit about Miss Hall, Mrs. Hall and She's Mr. Pretty Hall fantastic. and all of the little halls. They <laughs> are, the, they're the cutest kids in the world. You know what? And legit, they are the sweetest children. Aww. I mean, uh, they are this, I mean, I'm not surprised because both. Well, after Elizabeth, my own too, right? Because you met my two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love your children. I'm I love totally, children. That was they are so mean. Love them. And they're also equally sweet. But Elizabeth's, you know, I mean, they're just precious. They are. They're precious. And their personalities are also fun and different. But anyhow, I was such a pleasure getting to know her, getting to know her sweet school. I spent two days with them talking about all things, but um, a chunk of it was science of reading. Um, so it was really good. But, you know, questions that often come out is, um, when we're teaching the sounds, the individual phonemes, basically, um, should we be using pictures or not? So, you know, if you have a program where they're teaching sounds in isolation, where there's not a cat for k or, uh, you know, um, itch for I, should you add those in? <laughs> can I, can I, that one drives me nuts. Cause I have a program that I've used in the past that uses itch for I. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here and say, first of all, we don't itch. We scratch an itch. Itch isn't a verb. Is that right? right? Like if you say itch and show a picture of someone scratching, that's not, (laughs) sorry, that's a totally random topic. But I I think about that all the time. Like itch, itch is not, you scratch an itch. You don't itch. Right. Right. (laughs) Sorry. It's so bad. Okay. So that was a bad example. I'm totally kidding. I got, I want to know when you. And this will lead into the discussion too, because I'm sure these questions yeah. came up when you were visiting Elizabeth. Did you get to go, were you there simply for PD workshops or were you visiting classrooms while they were teaching too? I was not. Um, although we are talking about me coming back. Um, okay. Awesome. 
I know it would be really cool for this, for this time. I did not do, you know, like modeled lessons. I was just curious um, if you got to see anything in action. Yeah. I mean, I, I do that locally. Um, mm-hmm. and I've done that in other places, but I didn't do it there. Um, and it would have been a great opportunity. Um, so I, I think we're talking about a follow-up visit. That's so fun. I know it'd be really, really fun. So I love anytime I get to play with kids. It's fun. We did have some kids come in and, um, you know, play some games with us when we were doing the center thing, but no, I didn't get to do that. That's cool. Yeah. I got to, um, I was, I, we talked before we started recording that I was in Kansas yesterday before recording uh-huh. this and, um, working with a live studios company that I work with. And yeah, I usually, when I'm on the road with them, just like demoing to teachers and, and showing teachers, the product and or training teachers on the product they've purchased. But this one is a school that's looking to outfit their entire early childhood center. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful school. I, I would love to have this person on that created like this, this director I worked with to talk about their creation process. Cause the school is, Oh, let's do that. We should, it was designed by the teachers and the kids. It, oh, it's, a, it's an amazing place. But anyway, she said, as part of your visit, um, we want to bring in some kindergartners to see how they interact with the product too. And I was like, do it. Like that's, that's my them. favorite thing to do. So I got to work yeah. with five little kindergartners yeah. for a while yesterday. It was, it was so fun. fun. So oh, wow. sorry, I totally off topic there, but oh, back okay. to your, your question. So I'm sure you've asked, been asked this in workshops. I, I can only guess that this has been asked on the primary collaborative about using right. pictures. So we do want to use the pictures when introducing the sounds. Um, and uh, so for even like diagraphs or um, blends, um, I don't know if you know Katie Gardner. She has the secret stories, which are. Um, fantastic. If you're not familiar with that, um, Secret Stories is also great for teaching those individual phonemes. Um, so anyhow, those, that's fantastic. You definitely want to use them. One of the things that you will try to do is keep those key, I call them keywords. I, other people call them mnemonics, but you keep those keywords um, as short as possible. So, you know, some words are better than, um, Foundation uses the word ed, Mm-hmm. Um, which always seems really, really um, kind of odd. <laughs> but when you think about it, um, you know, Ed is better than Elf because oftentimes Elf people say L, right? right. Students say Ls or, or Elephant. So, you know, keeping those keywords um, where there's not some and keeping them short. So instead of umbrella, you know, have something that's a shorter word. So, like, oh. um, Although that's not how it's all been done. Um, that is that is something that has been recommended. Um, so yeah, you want to use those, those mnemonics or those keywords for introducing and having students master sound. Um, and you know, the way that I was taught um, was to say the letter, the keyword, then the sound. So right. um, and D, I think that's still being done dogged. quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, and so just so that there is some, you know, so that they're kind of working together right. um, and, and it's, it's a good scaffold for students who are learning um, so that they get to kind of, kind of connect those. Um, naturally though, when we go to assess those sounds, we would like to see that uh, we're looking for mastery, right? So we've talked about what is mastery before. Um, you know, we don't want to have, if a student, if you're assessing them, maybe you're using ESGI, you're assessing them, you would not want to have a student only able to do that with going d dog right? So we want to make sure that they are going, you know, that it's super fast mm-hmm. um, because 
when we think about reading on the fly, you know, as students are blending sounds, that really will um, hinder them. So that in order for them, for mastery, I'm doing the air quotes, people can't see it. For mastery, <laughs> they need to know those very quickly um, without having to lean into that keyword in order to tell you the sound. Did I ever tell you a funny story about assessing um, a student on sounds? We were using pictures and it was, what is the beginning sound of this picture? That was the question that I proposed yeah. to this kid. It was an ESGI test I did. And I will, I, I recorded it. I'll have to find it somewhere because I sent it to his mom. This is, I think this kid is in seventh grade now. It was years ago. And um, I'll never forget. I showed him like it was a picture of a duck and we're trying to get understand that duck starts with D. But I said, yeah. what is the beginning sound of this, this picture that you see? And he looks at me really odd and he goes, quack 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 and right. i put up i was like okay let's see where this goes just to see what happens i put up uh uh so it was sun so the letter was asked what what does sun start with he goes um what do you say he goes ah like <laughs> the sun the best one was a rainbow showed up and i was like what what sound do you hear in the word rainbow and he looks at me with his really odd face and he goes we made like a slide motion <laughs> so every picture he came up with some sound that was related to the pictures so it was like a word association but a sound association i'm like this, oh my gosh that's, so that's totally backfired on me <laughs> it's a total october total october assessment best. right or september 1st assessment of the year it was you so know. good so oh good oh my gosh so fun i know i had a beep bop beep bop beep for robot. oh yeah yep yeah. what sound does it make and then you wonder okay did i phrase the question the wrong way so yeah. so let's let's talk about teaching versus using things as clues for review because i think that's a, a much needed discussion and i'll tell you why because I've, I've had this question come up um since we did an episode about sound walls and a teacher said to me like are you telling me i just need to ditch my my word wall my kids use that as a a reference and i was like oh good point you know and then i had a conversation with our good friend kim adds yeah. and kim made a, a great comment she goes she goes, I think we need to look at the difference between the instruction and then the reference point for, for right. children, right? Like, so right. like, I know you and I have, it was just kind of ties into this episode, really our word wall unit that right. ties in pictures with, with the right. words, right. To help them right. understand. And I think that's a great reference tool. And I want to kind of reiterate on what we talked about in a previous episode that a sound wall, they're teaching the sounds that I, I've seen amazing success with, you know, with these two little boys I'm working with since I stopped just skill and drilling them on sight words, yeah. but really focusing and grouping words by sounds. It has been, right. it's been that phenomenal. Orthographic mapping is huge. Oh my gosh. They're catching on to these words. So, and I never thought to do it in the past until you and I talked and it's, yeah. and I'm not even using like a true wall because the classroom right. I use is a shared space. We're just doing it on a table. Like I'll say, okay, we're going to go through some of these words and I want you to sort them because they're at the point where they can, they're, they're reading pretty well, but they're, they're not understanding um, diphthongs and blends and rhymes and, Digraphs. Right. So we're really focused on that. You know, OW says Al, but so does OU. So we're grouping sounds like you had, right. you had talked about. Right. But there's still a, a, a point to be said about having your, whether it's on a wall or your students have their own list of words that I they love, use as a, you know, a reference I, point. Right. I love um, Hillary and I have been talking um, and we're going to, we're going to kind of flesh out her sound wall um, and, and add that to, um, the resources that I offer. Mm -hmm. So, and I'll love her. Anyhow, we're going to be, we'll be working on that in the next couple of weeks, but um, she has a sound wall, um, which has kind of the sound. She has a sound wall, 
Let me just keep saying that word over and over again. Wall, sound wall. If Dee's not trying to ingrain that into your brains yet, then. Yeah, and she has a sound valley, um, which is what some things that we've often seen. So I'm doing this with my hand. I'm making a V with my hands, right? So that you have all of the different vowel sounds and it's more, it's more based on vowel sounds um, or, or um, diphthongs and that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. And you can place your words on those, but then she also has a sound wall where, um, there's the pictures of the mouth positions and such. So yes. you put that, those are fantastic references. Um, it's just a matter of taking your current words and, and arranging them. So you don't have to throw anything out. You just right. have to rearrange the way that you had them and maybe add some, um, you, you know, those mnemonics onto that wall and just rearrange it differently. So when a student is looking for the word, the, you know, they're looking and they're like, okay, I, you tell them it starts with T, but why on a traditional word wall, that doesn't, you, they don't know where to find that sound, right. right? So on a traditional word wall. So anyhow, just about, it's about just cha- tweaking. It's yeah. not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's about tweaking things. So um, anyway, we'll have more on that. Um, uh, I'll probably do like a follow-up webinar on that just to kind of show, um, you know, the implementation, how to use it, where, when to place them, that kind of thing. So Hillary and I'll probably do that together. Cool. Um, uh, so that's kind of cool. But so back to the original question, uh, do you use pictures to teach phonics? The answer is yes. You do want to use those pictures to use phonics. The other thing that you want to make sure that you're doing is when you go to blend sounds, you don't want to use those same cards in the blending process, right? So if you're going to blend, um, I'm in my head, I think of those, you know, those like little flashcards that you have, right? right? So what a teacher might think to do is, why make a new card set? I'll just use those cards for the blending practice. And we don't want to do that. We want to make sure we have those letters shown um, really in isolation. So the A is by itself. There's no keyword. The C is by itself. No keyword. The T is there without a keyword, right? So you're saying when, when you blend, so let's, so teachers yeah. that are listening and driving and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not taking on our letter line if we have B, 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 and L, Lamp, O. We're not right. taking those cards with pictures on them to put them together right. to make the bull sound because kids are going to say bull instead of bull. Right. 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 Okay. Right. So, um, so let's say you're at that point. Um, we've talked about this, I believe, um, in another episode about blending practice and segmenting practice. We have mm-hmm. a ton of practice students need to have in order to build those the orthographic mapping, right? So 20% of the population has a language-based learning issue. Right. 40% of the fourth graders are not reading at proficiency level. So that in between, that between that 20% and that 40% are student, you know, there's another 20% there that haven't been diagnosed, but still are learning at a slower rate. So in order for them to master that blending and segmenting of individual syllables, um, you know, those individual chunks of words, we need to have tons and tons of blending and segmenting practice. So what I mean by that is each day we're going to be blending 15 to 20 CVC type words. They could be nonsense words or not. Um, And then we're going to actually have dictation of the same type of um, six or seven every single day every single day. But what happens is it flips the switch and it starts to build in the brain um, the connections between the three areas that are necessary for reading to take place, okay? So that should happen on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. If you're using cards for that 
blending or segmenting, you want to make sure that they don't have pictures on there. So the S is in isolation, the um, A is in isolation, and the P is in I isolation so that they go SAP, SAP, or SAP, SAP, right. right? So those are a couple different ways of blending. Um, another way of blending is the um, like a continuous blend. So, you know, oftentimes we talk about um, blending individual phonemes, which would be SAP, mm -hmm. SAP. Um, and then like I was taught onset and rhyme, right? So if they have a hard time with that process, the three individual phoneme process, students struggling with that, then I was taught in 2015, D.D. Wills would have done <laughs> app, sap, right? That's how 2015, D.D. Wills. But what research is telling us, it's better to go and keep that left to right blending process. So ah, sa. And then sap. Does that make sense? Yep. So at what point then do you suggest because there, there is a lot of instruction that does use onset rhyme? Yeah. Is it is it after you've mastered that continuous blend? Well, is that when they're saying, or what is research saying now? Not even to use it. You don't need it. You should you shouldn't need it. Shouldn't um, need onset rhyme. You so, shouldn't need that onset rhyme part of it. Um, I mean, it's a great, it's a great um kind of structure, but students um, are going to, to acquire, you can certainly use it. It's not going to hurt anyone, but if we're talking about effective and efficient, then the continuous, um, blend is, is going to get you there faster. So what, and I'm asking strictly because I'm teaching some of this, my little guys right now. So I want to know what you, what I really do. What about when you move into, um, like phoneme substitution then for word family work? And you're doing, right. you know, change sad to bad or you sad put down the bad. B. So like right. you take away the S and you put down the B. You're not taking apart the AD, right? Or you're saying we should. Um, well, I'm not saying you're saying, I'm saying research is saying. Yeah. So <laughs> Judy Will says. <laughs> yeah. Judy Wills in her clinical trial. Um, so if you're doing phoneme substitution right? And they're hearing it. You're going to do phoneme substitution throughout all three of those phonemes, right? So you're going to do change the middle sound, you change the ending sound, change the beginning sound, right? Okay. So for that, yes, you definitely want to get those chunks solid. So if you're thinking, okay, change the middle sound, that word family doesn't help you. Knowing that word family doesn't help you in that process right if you just stick with on okay let me just back up sorry if maybe i should have said phone substitution rhymes yeah that word that word family onset and rhyme isn't going to help me when i try to manipulate the ending sound isn't going to help me when i try to manipulate that middle sound so you just need that flexibility so when you're talking about phoneme substitution then of course onset and rhyme is going to help you for the initial phoneme yes um but that's what i was getting at because i have some kids yeah. that are working on word families right now yeah and so working on word families is a great, is a great skill, but if we're looking for efficiency, really blending and segmenting in all where we're constantly changing those phonemes and not just sticking with word families is going to mirror more of what they need to do in real life reading. Right. right. So if you want to work on some onset and rhyme, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. 
Um, but if you do that at the cost of, um, you know, cause you have the instructional minutes, you know, I have like 15 minutes for this lesson. If you're going to spend 15 minutes on onset and rhyme versus, um, constantly changing those phonemes through the card system or what we use our PowerPoints, mm -hmm. then really what you want to do is not invest your time in that onset and rhyme and really stick to those individual phonemes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I making sense? Cause you I know really what I'm are. No, so I'm, and I'm really, sense. I'm for those of you listening, I'm really asking because I'm working with students on this right now yeah. on this specific type of instruction. So I'm, this is so, a great lesson know, our, for me. I'm really, I'm really wanting really, to know. You're like, you're <laughs> so our not your mother's sight word instruction that I made with Deanna jump um, has um a slide deck in there for every mm -hmm. single day that has um, it's instead of using cards, because I have, I'm all thumbs when it comes to cards, like all of a sudden they fall <laughs> on the floor. It's like not, not a good idea. So instead of doing that um, we have PowerPoints. So the first slide goes up and it might have the word um, cap on there. The next slide goes up and it might be the word um, um, taught, excuse me, taught. We were changing beginning and middle but um, and so we will have lots of different words on there. So there needs to be a ton of flexibility with students. When we introduce them, we, we, those slide decks, um, start from like the second week of school based, and we have them practice based on the phonics they've learned thus far. So mm -hmm. week one, um, is going to follow a week behind phonics instruction. So week one is going to follow a week behind, and it's just going to be the, you know, the five letters that we've learned so far. So they're having lots of opportunity to practice with A. Then the next week, they're going to have lots of practice to work with um, three phoneme words that have A and O um, plus the letter sound. So it, it does build. Um, mm -hmm. So if you stay with the, the scope and sequence, it builds super quickly. And all of a sudden students have they're, I mean, they're just masters at blending and segmenting. You right. know, you're no longer, you won't have to go to that onset and rhyme um, because they will have, they, they've been doing it on the fly and they have that orthographic mapping. So orthographic learning leads to orthographic mapping. So you won't have to break it down to that, that part. Um, probably 90, I'm 99% sure you wouldn't have to do that because <laughs> they've been doing that on an ongoing basis. Right. Now, what do you do with a student who is, let's say second grade, who hasn't had that kind of um, orthographic mapping training, um, then you're going to want to kind of back up and maybe do some of that with them, you know, make sure that they're solid with their sounds. And you may have to, you may have to take that slide deck a little slower at first, um, if you're talking about individual students, let's say I'm doing a tutoring one-on-one, -on -one, right? May take that a little slower so that they can, you know, touch each sound, tap it out, blend it together. Um, but if you're doing your whole class and you're just starting and you're say you're middle of first grade or whatever, um, you're going to want to watch the whole classroom to mm -hmm. see kind of how to pace based on the students that are there. So you want to keep pace with about two thirds of your students. So two thirds are, are, are keeping pace with you then that's the right pace. If they're way behind, then you may need to either back up instruction or slow down. Um, if everybody's with you, then you need to speed it up a little bit more um, and know that the third that's not quite on, you know, there might be a slight delay in that in their responses. Students, you know, your two thirds of your students are just right on, right on with you. And a few are kind of lagging a little bit behind. They're still learning. So it's okay. But you also have a small group where you can, you can do some additional um, teaching or uh, review or whatever, so that they can they can have their um, 
they can have um, a chance to, to kind of dig the trough of, um, okay, so that doesn't even make sense when I say that. No, it so totally does. Cut, it totally like, does. And I'm, I'm glad I asked these questions because like I said, I've got students right now who specifically need some some help with this. And I do use not yeah. your mother's say words and I, it, 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 it makes total sense when I use it and right. I see where it's going. So another question, I'm like playing, yeah. posing you here, Dr. <laughs> Didi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you do in the case of a student then? Cause I'm sure this happens in some of our listeners classrooms too, who, okay, we're past the point of teaching CCAC, right? And then they're right. on to reading words and they know this, he says, but but every time they see a word that they need to send out, they have to go back to that mnemonic device. So um, yeah. for example, uh, they don't have ma- then they don't have mastery. Little, yeah. So a little one I'm working with sees the word can, uh-huh. seen him read it millions of times in text on his own, but there'll right. be days where I put the, you know, we put the word in front of him and he goes, See, I said, okay, think about it, but you, you know, this word and it's, it's right. CK c- can like, he has to refer to that. Right. That well, sometimes device. that could be, sometimes that could be a habit, right? Mm-hmm. So when you teach through the sound decks that we use, um, you know, so the first part of that PowerPoint has letters up there. Second part of the PowerPoint has blending practice. And then the third part of the PowerPoint has sight words, which you know, right? So when you're practicing on a daily basis and they see the letter C, um, we want them to, the correct responses is C says K and then S says S and T says T, right? That's the correct response. We're not going to go back to, they aren't going to say C KEK. Okay. When we're doing that blending, when we're doing that real quick review. Right. Right. And maybe that, maybe that sounds opposite of what um, I was saying earlier of when we show them that picture um, because that's when we're teaching them the word, when we're practicing the word, then we're going to want to go and be really, really um, quick. So, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes what happens if you have a student who has to lean back into that mnemonic in order to get it, it means that they don't have fluency with the letter sound. Right. So then you want to make sure you, you um, include that fluency on a daily basis so that they're seeing it and saying it and then hearing it and writing it. So, so for any teachers that are, that are yeah. listening and you're wondering that same thing, cause I'm sure there's, there's little ones in every classroom that still yeah. do it. Something I have found that is, and maybe it's just this little this little guy I work with. He he loves a challenge, right? Like everything yeah. is is is. If I challenge him, he's gonna do it. So I have a little phrase I say with him every time we do it. I say I'll say just read it. Don't don't sound it out. Just read it. Don't sound it out. Just read because he he knows it, you know. And like there'll be yeah. times where he'll or I'll force him to do because he wants to say letter and sound, even though I know he knows the letters. When we practice right. the sounds, I'll say I don't want to hear the letter. I want to hear the sound, and it it's right. helped him. A ton because I'll, I'll we play a game called teacher versus student and every time he will because he knows his letters and sounds we just do his review now but he'll still refer to i'll put up the d and he'll still he'll go duh and like see you know it's duh buddy let's try it again we go through it again and i'll say no sound or i say no letters just sounds no letters just sounds let's see what you can do i know am i doing him the habits harm by doing that or is that okay 
it depends on what's happening with this, what's really happening with this student, right? We want to tell students, when you come to a word you don't know, we need to look at those individual sounds and blend them together. So we want to make sure that they're really clear with that. But you can also say to a student that when our brain does that enough, we no longer have to stop at each one of those sounds and we can just blend them together. So I'm not asking you to blend every word because sometimes our, our brains, brains know it. I'm laughing because Ozzy's like on the window. Like, are you going to let me in the house? I was wondering what you were looking at. He's outside looking in at you. <laughs> yeah. So, but what we want to, we want to tell our students is that, and you you like legit can tell your kid this, okay, your student this. When we come to a word we don't, we don't recognize, we're going to look at each letter and blend that together to save the sound. That's a great strategy. And if your brain has seen that word enough, enough times, your brain's going to know it on sight. That's how a high frequency word or a word becomes a sight word. We don't need, our brains don't need to stop every time to blend it out. If we've seen it, enough times. Okay. So that might be something you say to him. If you've seen this word and you have seen it enough, your brain's going to already know how to read that word. So I'm not asking you to stop every time, Mm -hmm. but if it's a word you don't know, then absolutely. I would have him, if he does that, if he does that CKEC for each one, I'm going to ask him to try it the first time. I'm going to have you try this word, but I'm going to have you try it. And I would do that. I would do that. I would lift that word out of the page. I would have him have words that maybe he hasn't seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some of those kind of obscure words that like the word lit L I T Right. right. Those obscure words that he hasn't seen and see what happens when he does that. If he sees that word lit and he has to go l it lit that's that's great right. if he sees the word lit and he has to go l lamp all all it then it tells you that he doesn't have mastery with that sound with maybe sound l. right so that's why you have to have you know our slide deck has 15 to 20 sounds every day 15 to 20 blending and then you know 10 or so sight words so that we build that um i explain it like this um So, you know, you're going to plant a garden, right? And you have a hoe and you're going to um, dig a trough to put Mm -hmm. the seed in, right? Is that the right word trough? I think it's trough. I think you've used the word trough twice today. Or row. (laughs) I know. You're going to dig a row with your hoe, right? Dig a row with your, (laughs) careful. (laughs) Dig a row with your hoe. And you have, you have a student who has, um, does not have a language-based learning disability. So 60% of the population um, has three parts of their brains that are activated to learn words, right? So they're, and they're really efficient. So for that student, you might have to go and do, you might have to row that hoe <laughs> six or seven times in order for them to have mastery, right? right? Six or seven exposures, lessons, practice, blah, blah, blah. But 40% of the population has a harder earth Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to, you don't have to do anything different. You just have to do more. So they might need more exposure, more you have to dig a little bit harder. But if you're consistent with your path, if you're consistent, if you're consistent with the right type of instruction, it's going to get dug deep enough to plant that seed. Does that make sense? That's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. 
Good Row job. that hoe. I, so, you know what? Uh, though, I, I, I love this. And, and this is, I feel like I always learn from you every time we speak and every time we talk, I feel like I learned something new, but this, for those of you listening, this, this was, this was not like we planned this. I really do have questions as a teacher. Like yeah. I have little ones I'm working with. So I, I hope that I feel like I owe you. You just gave me a PD there, Didi. <laughs> hey, I'll send you a bill. No, you um, honestly, you know, what happens, what happens with teachers and I've been guilty as well. I think about all of these types of activities that I need to do. I have to do onset and rhyme. I have to do phony manipulation. And, and with some students, you might have to do that in a small group kind of right. setting. Right. Or, and you can do that orally with just a, a quick lesson. Right. But if you do the type of consistent blending activities, those changing that last sound is not going to be hard. I mean, nobody sat down with you, Adam, and said, change the last sound in the word cat so that it says cap. Nobody right. sat down and did lots of drill with you. It's because you have it orthographically mapped in your head that you can make that change. And that's what we really want to do. We want to make sure, oh, my watch thinks I'm working out. Um, <laughs> He's I'm talking a lot with her hands today. <laughs> I know. Um, but if they have it in their brain and mapped, then that's, that's like a diagnosis that shows, shows them that they shows you that they have it. Does that make sense? You have to assess it. You have to make sure that they have it. And if they don't, you know, you may need to pull that small group and teach that skill in isolation, but for the huge group of your class, you may not need to do a lot of instruction, some instruction, but not a lot of instruction. I love it. So let's, okay. let's, let's, let's answer the, the question we started with again. Should you be using pictures to teach letter sounds? The answer is yes. yes. But when it comes to blending and putting sounds together to make words and really focusing just on the sound isolated yeah. or not isolated, mixed together with other to blend yeah. and read, right. take away the pictures, focus on mastery of the sound. Right. And the last thing I was going to say is oftentimes teachers spend a lot of time teaching phonemic awareness skills just auditorily. Right. So listen, boys and girls, I'm going to give you these sounds and you're going to blend them. And then you you put your three sounds and then you say it and then the sounds and then they blend it. Right. Mm -hmm. So because we've all been told phonemic awareness is something you can teach in the dark. But research tells us if they have the letter symbol in front of them while you're doing that, they're going to acquire that skill faster. So if you're looking at your whatever manual, teacher manual that you're following and it's asking them to do that just in isolation, add the alphabet cards in there because it's going to help those students um, acquire those skills faster. What about, so you're saying have, have a clue for them, not the actual word itself. Or is that, are you saying that? Like if, if I'm having a student, cause this is, I just created a game with this. Um, uh -huh. I call it hop it out where they use little bunny erasers to hop out the word rather than sound out the word. Um, nice. So they're using Elkonin boxes to hop it in. Yep. Are you saying to have access to your entire letter line? If I'm having the word hop out the word bat or actually put the word bat in front of them okay. so they can see the book at. Great question. So what I was talking about was, um, Okay. So it depends if you're, if you're encoding or decoding. So if I'm asking a student to blend three known sounds, right? Three known sounds. Mm -hmm. That's deep. That's a decoding activity that they're doing, right? So they're decoding it. That would be what we would want them to do when they see those sounds on the, uh, the letters represented and produce the sounds, right? 
Right. So, so that would be encoding. Um, if I'm asking a student, like, let's say I'm doing a, um, I'm in small group and I have el- those Elkonin boxes, yep. right? We can go ahead and say, okay, let's go ahead and make sure that now we're s- segmenting, right? Because yes. I'm giving them a sound. A word. A word, sorry. I'm giving them a word and now they're put pulling it apart. Telling you the, the individual right? sounds. So right. then they would just move those little hot bunnies up for each one. And if they are fluent with knowing their letters and sounds, then I would ask them, awesome, let's go ahead and let's replace that first bunny with the first sound, the second bunny with the second sound, right? So that's what I would have them do. That makes sense? Yep. Okay. So going back to your point that you said they should have access to, are you, you're just simply saying if they still need it, they should be able to see the letters pictures for this type of activity? Maybe I completely misconstrued what you said when they had to have, they should see it in front of them. So if I'm having them blend three, if I'm asking a student to blend three sounds, okay. So I'm going to have them blend the word um, nap, right. Yes. And, you know, in 2015, Dee Wills would have had my word list in front of me, my students in front of me. And I would have said, listen to me, I'm going to give you three sounds. I want you to put them together. Right. And I would go, mm. App, and then I would point to the students and they would say nap. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I would give them another word. Listen to me. They won't, they're not seeing anything. They're just looking at my mouth. And I would give them the next one. And then they would blend those together. Okay. Which I think a lot of phonemic awareness instruction is telling us we sh- or it, it at least let was. Me finish, let me just finish. All okay? right. <laughs> 2015 would do it that way. 2022 DD Wills would say, we're going to blend these sounds. And I would have the cards there that would say, mm, ah, and I would have an N and an A and a P. And then I would say, listen to me mm, as I'm touching them. Mm, ah, now go ahead and blend them. They're doing the same thing, but now they have a picture. No, mm-hmm. no, they no don't picture. have a picture. They have an image. They have the letters there. They have the graphemes there, right? So that they can blend those together. And research says when you do it with the letters present, then it's going to be more effective. Okay. So that's what I'm just saying. If you're using a a program that asks the teacher just to have students get it orally, if you can add the letter sounds in there, it's going to help them acquire it faster. And then, so that's the blending part for the segmenting part. Okay. So that's blending. Mm -hmm. Segmenting part is when they're going to hear a word and now they're going to take it apart. And so I would have maybe a class Elkonin box and I would give them the word and then say, hey, I'm going to push these up. And as I push one up, um, each one I push up, you're going to go ahead and say the sound. So they're going to go, mm, that'd be a different word, but right. it's early and I can't think of another one. Mm, <laughs> app, right? Nap. And let me show you now, let's replace that first one with the N, you know, obviously eliciting response from the students as in teaching. So in that case. Yeah. Would you, sh- that's true auditory. You're not showing them the word nap. You're the first part of it. The first part is fully auditory. Although we are, we are <laughs> I'm really them- asking. I really am sorry yeah, if I'm not following, but I'm giving them, a, I'm giving them those visual learners. Think about how obscure that is. You're going to take this word. I want you to take it apart. You right. know, I want you to tell me the sounds you hear. I want you to slow it down and that's a very obscure skill for students who are, who still see every word as a chunk, 
Mm -hmm. right? They see every word as a chunk. Now we have to slow down that language. And so by having, if, you know, me holding the, the lesson in my hand and say, listen, I'm going to say a word and I'm not going to give them any kind of visual um, support for that. That's less effective than if I said, I'm going to give you a word, we're going to push a sound for each one. And now, now I'm going to go ahead and replace that first image with the letter, the second one with the letter and the third one with the letter, right? And you may have some students who are only able to hear that first sound, mm -hmm. which is cool, right? That's cool. They're going to hear the first sound. They're going to hear the last sound. That middle sound is a little harder. So, um, you know, in your classroom, you might have a student who can hear all of those sounds and you're going to have some of your students who only hear the first sound and you have some of your students who don't hear any sounds yet, but they're participating, physically moving as they're doing it. Um, and that's going to help them. Mm -hmm. I've seen that actually with, with one of my little guys I work with, he, he, if, he has to, I mean, I, for example, I did the word and, which is tough anyway, because the A and the N kind of it yeah. flows, right? Out together. Um, so he, he, without physically moving some, I said, can you tell me the sounds you hear? And he, he said, and, and, and I said, how many do you hear? And he said, two. And I said, are you sure? And then he, he did our little game and yeah. he said, and, and he goes, oh, there's three. And I said, you're right. We have to, we hear three sounds. Right. So there is something to be said for sure. I mean, it, this just goes back to teachers, you have the hardest job in the world because of its instances. Like we talked about today, there are 20 different kids in your classroom learning in seven different ways at any given time. And you're right. trying to teach the same skills to all of them. So, right. but learning the most effective way and the yes. way to deliver that instruction, because nobody becomes a teacher to um, have no success with mm -hmm. some students. And I have had, I've gone to the end of the year where um, you know, 2015 DD Wills, I had those five students in my intervention group. And at the end of the year, they're still in my intervention group. And although they, they learned a lot, they hadn't, they hadn't reached mastery in all the skills yet. And that's a horrible feeling as a teacher right. to know that you have taught your rear off and it hasn't been effective, right? For those students or as effective as it possibly could be. It's sort of like Adam and I were kind of talking about, you know, we both we love our groceries, right? So, you know, we, we tend to, you know, are always in one kind of diet or another, right? <laughs> like imagine that somebody had found the magic solution, right? And even though, you know, you work really hard from time to time, not all the time, but clearly this wouldn't be an issue, but you worked really hard on making healthy choices and all of that, right? And you're just, you know, and you're just beat down because we've all been beat down by yep. working hard and things not being as successful as you'd like them to be. And then over here is some person who has figured out this magic solution. And if you just do it this way, you'll be successful. Um, and you're going to, you're going to be rewarded because it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be boring and mundane. You're going to find success along the way and you're going to love it. You're going to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you not want to go that route versus the hard way? Right. right. It's like the electric bike. You know how you have those bicycles that now have some electrical help, right? <laughs> yep. Versus one, you're going up a hill and everybody's working really hard. But if the, if the goal is to get there first and somebody has the electric engine on theirs, uh, that's the way we want to go. And that's the way we want to go with, um, you know, the way that we teach letters and sounds, the ELA part of learning how to read. Right. Mm -hmm. Love it. No, thank you. This, I feel like I've learned a lot. So Appreciate this conversation. That was a good right. one.
All right. Well, we will link. Uh, let's link not your mother's sight words in the the show notes yeah. for those of you asking. I'll even I'll send you my little game I just created too to put. Oh, in there I would love link. that. Yeah. Um, it was just something fun we did to to practice sounding out different words, and I I made some different variations for it. So, uh, you guys can check the show notes for that and. Uh, Hope I you also all learned. have, I think I'll try to make something also for it. Um, I have these really cool little, have you seen these? I have not. Oh, little poppets, like, individual ones. Yeah. They're like little fidget um, poppers. Those are um, fun. But they're big. So everybody, they're about an inch by an inch. And you can, you can put three or four together or two together. And that could be your, your version of an, of an Elkonen box, right? Those are okay. cool. Yeah. So I'll, I'll make some activities that work with this, make it a free file. Um, and you guys can download that in the show notes. Also mine is, I just, I started creating some files to go along with my teach, play, learn book. Um, just some game based learning. And I just simple, I did this little guy. So it's just a half sheet and they're using for this one. I made, I think I put like bunny clip art, frog clip art, and what else hops kangaroo. Or for my students that I was using the classroom because I had bunny mini erasers. erasers, they were they were using that. So so Adam's holding up these. Um, it's like it's a like an Elkonen box boxes, and there are five yep five spots there. So um, well, we'll I know I'm holding up like they can see that. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm gonna show. You, I'm gonna give you this. I'll show you this one. <laughs> can you so, edit it? We'll... Can you put crickets in right where you were holding it up? We totally could. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll link that or give it to Didi to link that product in the, the notes as well. This was a great conversation. So thank Absolutely. you, Didi, because I, I always learn from you, but I truly had some questions with some of my students. So um, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Peace. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.